The church was given three missions by Jesus Christ. What my understanding of Scripture, the church was given three missions to accomplish by the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you have an outline and you have a pen, these are not going to be on your outline per se, but I want you, I'd like you to write these down, all right? Here they are. They are teach truth. Teach truth. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. The church's responsibility, the church's mission is to teach truth. It ought to articulate it well. It ought to explain it well. It ought not just share the truth that is convenient for the ears of the listeners. It ought to say the the truths that are hard on the ears of the culture. It ought to say truth that folks would disagree with. It ought to uh, share truth because truth is truth and truth is timeless and truth does not change. Truth may hurt feelings. Truth uh, may divide. Truth uh, may uh, cause folks to leave or fall away. But at the end of the day, truth is truth and it is the church's mission to hold to the truth and teach the truth. Uh, truth is absolute. Uh, truth is not ambiguous. It is absolute and it, uh, it, is, it never changes. And the church's responsibility is to articulate Let the culture change. The church should not change in its teaching of truth. The first mission I see in Scripture uh, given by the Lord Jesus Christ is that the church is to teach truth. The second one is the church is to build up the believers. Build up the believers. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 tells us why we should not miss church. Listen, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging, admonishing one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Have you ever, maybe some of you are like this right now, have you ever uh, just drug your knuckles through the week, having a tough time, right? Life's got you down. Maybe life's kicked you in the mouth. Maybe you got a rain cloud over your head. And every, everything you do, everywhere you go, life is just hard. And then you come to church, and when you leave, you just feel a whole lot better about yourself. You know what I'm talking about this morning? You get around the Word of God and the people of God, and you get around the Spirit of God, and you sing the songs of God. Some of you sing the songs of God. Some of you stand there like this. I wish I could take a picture and show you what you look like during the song service, some of you. All right? Don't be so miserable. We're singing about Jesus most weeks. I know we were singing about America today, but we sing about Jesus most weeks. And we did sing all we Christian soldiers, to be fair to Pastor Andrew. And some of you still stood there like this. I don't know how to sing. You know what? I'm telling you, a whole bunch of you don't know how to sing, but some of you do it anyway. Amen? And so sing out. Sing out. But even if you're not singing, you get into the environment, and it doesn't just sort of lift your spirit and lift your soul, and don't you just sort of feel like you're soaring above the clouds a little bit more than you have the rest of the week? You get into church, and church is meant to build up the believers. Listen, I've had brothers and sisters in Christ through the years who uh, uh, will go toe-to-toe with me in the Spirit of Christ when I'm out of line on something and say, hey, you need to do this a little better, and hey, uh, you're, 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 you're not quite uh, where you ought to be here, and I'll sit in a church sermon, maybe now as a pastor, when an evangelist or guest preacher comes in, the Word of God is open and a sermon is preached, and I'm sitting in church, and what I'm doing is being corrected, and it's building me up into the person that God intended me to be. What is the mission of the church as it was given by the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it's to teach truth. It's to build up the believers. But notice, uh, number three, it's to salvage Sinners. It's to salvage sinners. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And the word Peter there was given to, uh, uh, given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. Originally his name was Simon. God assigned the name Peter, which comes from the word Petros, which means little rock, little stone. Thou art Peter, thou art a little stone. Jesus says, and upon this rock, referring to himself, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Make it, I mean, let me make it very clear this morning. God did not build the church on Peter. God built the church on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is the chief cornerstone on which the church is built. Now, from this passage, we see, uh, we see, uh, uh, hell's fence. We see Satan's falsehoods and we see the church's focus. What is the church's focus? It is to keep people from going to a literal hell. That is the purpose of the church. To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, God is just and He hates sin and He sends sinners to hell. But at the same time, God loves sinners and He wants to forgive them of their sins. And God's justice must be satisfied through death. So God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross so that those who are sinners don't have to die. And if we'll just simply believe in Jesus, our sins can be remissed. They can be forgiven. They can be pardoned. They can be thrown out. They can be buried in the deepest sea. And we can have eternal life. And that is the greatest message ever known to mankind. Whether uh, you live here in the United States of America or you live on the other side of the globe, whether you are rich or poor, uh, what, no matter what language you speak, Jesus died for you and wants to save your soul. And it is the responsibility of the church to get that message out into the communities and get that message out uh, uh, broadly, more broadly into its, each state and to get that message out to its country and get that message out all over the globe. Salvage sinners. Salvage sinners. There is not a fence around hell for any other reason than to keep people in. That fence is not, uh, that, that fence around hell is not meant to be inoffensive. It is not a fort from which Satan attacks us. That fence is there because people who've died and gone there want to crawl their way out. The truth is, when somebody puts their faith in Jesus Christ to save them, they rejoice in the heaven. The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. But my friend, it's not just those in hell, uh, uh, rather not just those in heaven who are excited over someone being saved. People in hell do not want their family to come there. People in hell do not want their loved ones and their friends and their uh, former co-workers to come there. When somebody gets saved, there is rejoicing, I believe, in hell over a sinner that no longer has to go there. And it's the responsibility of the church to proclaim that Jesus is in the business of salvation. What is the mission of the church? It's to teach truth. It's to build up believers. It's to salvage sinners. God has given each church, including this church, talented people, gifted people, who were to use their gifts to further the church's mission of teaching truth, building up believers, and salvaging sinners. Some here have multiple spiritual gifts, while others may only have one. But everyone, everyone in here today, everyone in here today, if you are a child of God, God has given you at least one gift that you can contribute for the furtherance of the mission of this church. So what are the spiritual gifts? Well, uh, uh, we'll be looking at those this morning. Uh, are, let me ask this question. Are you using your spiritual gifts the way that Christ wants you to? Or are you too busy building your own empire and letting the mission of the church go to waste? You see, you're either building His kingdom or you're building your own kingdom. Now, when you got saved, I want to make this distinction very, very early on in the message. When you got saved, God gave you spiritual gifts that you did not have before you got saved. There is a difference between a talent and a gift. Watch this now. Being a great athlete is not a gift. It's a talent. It's a talent. When you got saved, God then gave you gifts that you did not have prior to getting saved. Now... Wouldn't it be a shame if you got saved and God gave you these gifts for the purpose of building the church, for the purpose of the ministry of the church? Wouldn't it be sad if you took those gifts God gave you and you used them to build your kingdom instead of God's kingdom? You know what that's equivalent to? That's equivalent to you giving your child money for a specific person or purpose and they waste it over here on another purpose. God's sitting there saying, well, hold on now. I didn't give you that gift for you. I gave you that gift for me. I didn't give you that gift so you could make yourself better. I gave you that gift so you could make my kingdom better and you could proclaim truth and you could, uh, you could uh, build up believers and you could help salvage sinners. What are you doing with the gift that God has given you? It's famously said, JFK famously said, ask not what your country 
can do for you, but rather what you can do for your country. I would say likewise, ask not what your church can do for you, but rather what you can do for your church. In every church, there are two groups of people. There are givers and there are takers. Folks that show up to church, and by the way, um, I don't want to chase this rabbit too far because I get real passionate real fast. So I'm going to tame myself down on purpose. Amen? All right, I'm going to say this very calmly. We live in a consumer culture where Pastor Lejeune has to build a consumer product so that when people visit, oh, let me check out your nursery. Oh, let's check out your children's program. Oh, let me see your coffee bar. Does your coffee bar pass the test? Oh, that church has a better coffee bar than your church has. Oh, I'll look at their auditorium. I don't like the way that uh, uh, I don't like the way that the ushers pass the offering plate. Oh, that preacher's too loud. That preacher's too soft. He pre- doesn't preach long enough. He preaches uh, too long. On and 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 on we go as we're critiquing and criticizing. We're looking to be a taker. We're looking to consume a product. Listen, why do Baptist Church is not Walmart? It's not Target. Right? We're not Cracker Barrel. Amen? And I love Cracker Barrel. Alright? I grew up in the Southeast. I love Cracker Barrel. Alright? This is a place where you come not to take. You come to give. You come to support. You come to help grow. You come, yes, and you are helped, and you will get along the way. But listen, uh, there's no, I've never met anyone in life who does 50% taking and 50% giving. Everyone I've met is either more of a taker than a giver or a giver than a taker. And my friend, if you have an attitude of, what can this church do for me? My friend, you need to get your attitude fixed. It shouldn't be, what can this church do for me? It's, what can I do to help the church? What can I do to build the church? What can I do to build the kingdom of heaven through the local church? As we get ready to dive in and understand this topic of spiritual gifts, let me just add that uh, for some, this is difficult to understand. And here's why. Many, relig- many religions disagree on these gifts. Many do. And at White Oak Baptist Church, we have a mod podge. We have a, let's see, What's the word? Uh, Maj podge, is that the right word? Okay, you all are, t- I can't hear you, amen. Okay. Hodgepodge, there it is. Not Maj podge. Hodgepodge. I'm from the southeast, you have to be patient with me, amen. Uh, we have a hodgepodge uh, of, uh, of folks from all kinds of religious backgrounds, and you bring in opinions from other backgrounds. I'm going to just ask this a favor of all of you this morning, all right? Take a deep breath. If I say something you disagree with this morning, there's this thing called Christian grace. Amen? Show it. Live it. Display it. If you leave here angry with me, then you are not in the Spirit of God. All right? And so uh, be gracious. All right? This is a Baptist church, so we're going to teach it the way that I believe it to be. And if you disagree with me on a couple of the finer points of uh, spiritual gifts... Uh, we can still love each other in Christ. All right. I propose that each member and attendee at White Oak Baptist Church must, uh, one, identify what their spiritual gifts are, and two, give their gifts to the church and for the Lord. If this is done, then hell's population will decrease, heaven's population will increase, broken, discouraged people will find Hope and uh, uh, the programs and ministries of the church will move forward and God will be glorified in our community. So let's look at four truths this morning at about the, the this concept of spiritual gifts within us as we look at the topic of doing my work for God by understanding my ministry and your ministry at church. All right, let's jump in here. Number one, notice the classifications of spiritual gifts, the classification of spiritual gifts. Uh, You find the spiritual gifts that God has given to those who attend the churches in four distinct uh, passages in the Bible, all right? 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. Those four passages you find a list of the gifts 
given uh, to the believer. Some of them are repeated or are the same thing described in a different way. So if you take those four passages and you compile them down into one and delete for redundancy's sake, here are the list of spiritual gifts. All of them given in Scripture. Here they are, okay? Prophets, these would be future tellers. Ministers, or someone who has the gift of helps. Teachers, my recommendation is when they're all up there, take out your smartphone if you have one and just take a picture of the screen, all right? Teachers, okay? Uh, exhorters, these are, this is someone who has the gift of encouragement. Uh, givers, rulers, or administrators, mercy givers, mercy givers, counselors, this is someone who God has gifted with the words of wisdom, faith, healers, miracle workers, spirit discerners, tongue speakers, tongue discerners, Apostles, evangelists, words of knowledge, and pastors. Those are all of the spiritual gifts listed in the four passages. So there you have, uh, there you have the, uh, let's see, the classifications of spiritual gifts. Let's look at number two and notice some clarification about spiritual gifts. Some clarification about spiritual gifts. This point is so critical to understanding spiritual gifts because sometimes we get enamored with one or two particular gifts that are sensational on the list and we want that one to be part of us when we don't really even understand why God gave us the spiritual gifts and uh, what, they're, uh, what, what they're there for. Notice letter A, their purpose. Their purpose. Their purpose. What are the purposes of the spiritual gifts? God has given us these gifts not so we can run around and toot our own horn and and look at me, look what I can do. Listen, the church is not some circus where we have folks who go around and, uh, you know, walk some tightrope and uh, ride some giant uh, unicycle. Look at my spiritual gift and look how great I am. No, that is not the purpose of the spiritual gift. God gave us the gifts, and what I can see in Scripture, for two reasons. The first one is to edify Christ. To edify Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 uh, where we began in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, uh, the Bible says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. We're to come together as a body in Christ, and we are to bring honor to the Lord through these gifts. We're to edify Christ. Uh, when you do something for the Lord with your gift, if someone looks at you and says, Man, this person's great because of, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. Listen, if I die one day and everyone forgets me, I'm great with that. If I die one day and everyone forgets my Christ, I've got a problem with that. I have been given gifts by God not to use to build up my own name or my own brand or, or, or to call attention to me. I have been given gifts by God so that I can edify and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I think too many preachers in America are busy lifting up themselves instead of lifting up Christ. They're too busy building their own name or brand. And I think churches that get in trouble are churches uh, that have folks within the church who care more about uh, uh, their reputation and what people think about them and and how great of a teacher they are and how great they are at this or that. Or or look what I did over here. Or look look what kind of nursery I run. Or or look at my bus route. Or or fill in the blank. We're not worried about edifying Christ. We're self-promoting. Did you hear that special I sang? And boy, I only got one thank you today from the special I sang in church. And, and I deserve more than that. And, and, and we're not uh, concerned oftentimes about edifying Christ. It's building up ourselves. God did not give you a gift so that you could make a big deal out of you. He gave you a gift so you'd make a big deal out of Him. Edify Christ. Notice next, edify the church. Edify the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Turn over there. 1 Corinthians 14. And look with me at verse number 12. It says, for, or even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. Look here. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. The edifying of the church. Hey, the church is bigger 
than any one of us individually. And that goes for the pastor as well. The church is more important than any one of us. We all work together as a team so that the church is, is, is edified and the church is built and the church grows so that its influence in the community can grow and so that its influence around the world and our missions dollars giving can grow. We're looking to edify the church. We're not looking to edify ourselves. How can I help the program of the church move forward with the spiritual gifts that I have been given. I'm not just going to consume a, a product that the church offers. I'm going to look to give and be a part of doing the giving so that the church can move forward for the cause of Christ. What are the purposes of the church? To edify Christ and to edify the church. Uh, uh, rather, what are, what are the purposes of gifts? To edify Christ, edify the church. We see letter A, their purpose. Notice letter B, their placement in time. Their placement in time. Go back with me and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. One chapter from 14. Look at chapter 13 and look at verse number 8. And this is the part of the sermon where some of you may disagree with, but give me an honest ear. Set, um, set up your, your uh, biases to the side for a minute. Do your best to look at this objectively with me. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, Charity never faileth. Can I get an amen right there? Charity never faileth. Isn't that good? But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Notice the absoluteness of those statements. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, notice that phrase. We're going to, I'm going to explain that in just a moment. That when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So God gave the early church extra gifts in the beginning for the purpose of of two things, two reasons why God gave the early church extra gifts that we no longer have. Here were the two reasons why he gave them these extra gifts. Uh, first of all, for the completion of the Bible, the completion of the Bible, and uh, for the church to rapidly grow, the church to rapidly grow and be established. Understand that when Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven, there were 500 there when he ascended and then 120 in the upper room. And those folks made up constantly the worldwide universal church right there that was it and god needed to see the church explode onto the scene and spread all over both the jew and the gentile world and so he gave them some extra gifts that we no longer have in order to accomplish those purposes now one thing that needs to be stated right here is that god does not enjoy sharing his glory with anyone amen you all believe that this morning? God does not like sharing His glory with anyone. If I get done with the message this morning and I have people come up and say, Pastor, that sermon was awesome, and I don't deflect that glory to God, God is not pleased over my absorption of those compliments. I need to reflect, deflect glory off of myself and to God. Amen? A lot of churches have preachers who are just self-absorbed, right? Uh, maybe I'm jealous, but they have every hair in place. Amen? They get a brand new suit every time they preach. They look like a million bucks. They fly on private jets and, and uh, live in homes that are 3 or $4 million. And, and listen, I, that's not me. That's not my style, um, mainly because I'm bald. Amen? Uh, but um, uh, they, uh, they're, they, they're looking to self-absorb that praise. And that's not what pleases God. The, the purpose here is not for man uh, to be uh, taking glory from God, but for God to get all of the glory. Now, early on, God gave extra gifts to these folks so that they could have the they could establish their authority to write the Bible. Right. This is why the apostles were able to do some of these extra spectacular 
things because God was establishing them as uh, authority to write the scriptures. And then others, uh, uh, other gifts were given for the purpose of seeing the church rapidly grow, rapidly grow. Let me give you an example here, all right? Uh, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. And he preaches along with the other men. He preaches the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Peter and his men did not preach in 120 different languages. They preached in one language. You listen in this morning? They preached in one language. And the Spirit of God took the language they preached in and translated it in the air before it hit the ears of those who received it. Peter did not necessarily speak in tongues in the classical sense. Peter preached in his known language, and the Spirit of God did a great work where every man there heard in his own language. And what was God doing? There was a special feast of Pentecost there that day. People were from all, Jews were from all over the world there. They all heard the gospel. Many of them got saved, and they went home and took that gospel message with them. And in one preaching sermon, uh, God used spiritual gift of tongue speaking and tongue discerning to spread the church all over the globe at one time. It's amazing, isn't it, what God did there? Now, their placement in time. Now that the Word of God is complete and the church has been established, some of these gifts are no longer needed. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and look at verse 8 with me again. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. These are going to fall off. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. There will be a time where tongue speaking is no more. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. When will these things fall away? Verse 10 tells us when. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. I hold in my hand that which is perfect. It's come. It's complete. When Peter, or rather, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible was not complete. It is now complete. Those special gifts, some of those special gifts, have now fallen off. Peter uses the analogy of a child growing up. Truth has come to fruition. Truth has matured in the sense of it being articulated into a Bible. We now hold it in our hands. So, what gifts have expired and which ones are left to us? Before I show you, let me just uh, reiterate that some good people do disagree on a couple of these. My goal is not to pick on anyone or argue with anyone. If we disagree, let's do so graciously. Here's the list. Here's the list, okay? Uh, throw that up there for me. The ones in, is that red or pink? Salmon. We'll go with salmon. Uh, the ones in uh, salmon there are what I believe to be no longer in use. These have been retired with the completion of Scripture. Future tellers. If anyone says to you, God gave me a special word, and he told me to tell you, can I just tell you, you need to turn around and go the other direction. Amen. Amen. Everything God wants you to know is right here between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation 22-21. If it ain't in here, God didn't tell them. All right? God, I have never said to anyone in my knowledge, God told me to tell you. God did not tell me to tell you. All right? Scripture told me to tell you. Because the Scripture says right here, book, chapter, verse. That which is perfect has come. Prophets, future tellers have fallen off. Healers, healers. Now, let me just uh, clarify this one right here. Brother Vara, are you in the room? Where's Brother Vara? He's counting. You know what that means? He's alive. And I'm not being funny, I'm being serious. Shortly after I became the pastor, it was made known to me that Brother Vara had very serious cancer. Very serious cancer. And Diane and his kids, kids Claudia and Carson were teenagers at the time, they were preparing for Mike to go on to glory. It really appeared that that was going to happen. They had set up financial plans to help carry uh, Diane through the rest of her life and they were putting their things in order for Mike to pass away. I remember the deacons and myself were scheduled to go to the Vara home one Saturday afternoon and anoint Mike with oil and pray for God to miraculously heal him. And Mike got so sick he could not wait for that uh, anointing, and so he went straight to Stanford Hospital. Jay Verona and myself climbed in a car, and we drove and met them at the hospital, and we did anoint him with oil, and we did pray over him, as is uh, we're given this to do uh, uh, in in the the epistles of Scripture, and um, shortly after that event, I'm not saying that we healed him because again, I'm teaching the opposite here this morning. 
God healed Mike. God healed Mike. If you look at pictures of Mike, he was, he was on death's door. Shortly after we anointed him with oil and prayed over him, they began to find some new doctors and some new methods, and God began to use those in Mike's life. And Mike has been cancer-free for several years now. Now, we didn't have some service where Mike came on the platform and I struck him in the forehead and said, Be healed in the name of God. And Mike stood up and said, I have no more cancer. That didn't happen. Right? I didn't wipe my head with some, you know, sweat, wipe the sweat off my forehead and, and give that to Diane. And Di- Diane took that home to Mike and Mike somehow magically got healed. Now, that's in the Bible, right? Uh, uh, Paul and Peter did those things. God doesn't work that way anymore. I did not heal Mike. Jay Verone did not heal Mike. The Lord Jesus Christ healed Mike Vara. God does not want to share His glory with anyone. The Word of God has been established. The church has been established. This gift has fallen off. Miracle workers, um, tongue speakers, tongue discerners. Uh, Does God still work through tongues? I believe this one has largely been retired. If you come from a background of tongue speaking, let me, let me really encourage you to dive deep into 1 Corinthians 14 and seek to understand that even when tongue speaking was around, it was to be done in a way that was orderly. It was to be done in a way that was careful. It was to be done in a way that was uh, translatable. It was to be done in a language that was known and spoken, not gibberish, and that God was going to use that so that people would get saved. The problem with many charismatic churches and their tongue speaking is that it is a display of talent by someone in the room, and very few, if any, ever really get saved from tongue speaking. The purpose of the gifts is for people to be saved, not for some sensational display in a room. You see the one apostles there in, uh, uh, highlighted there. Apostles. Uh, in order to be an apostle, the qualification was that you saw the living Christ uh, with your, in, in the flesh with your own eyes and that you were called by him to be an apostle. All of those that saw the living Christ are now dead. There are no more apostles. And then we've already addressed words of knowledge. God does not give anyone anything extra. He does not give any new revelations. He'll give you an interpretation on the revelation in Scripture, but He gives no new revelation. The mystery of the gospel has been penned in Scripture, and the Word of God is complete. The Word of God is complete. Many of these named in first, many of these that we just looked at here were named in 1 Corinthians 13. And so that leaves us with a list of Gifts that God gives today's church. Let's put that list up there. Here's the final list, all right? Uh, Ministers, teachers, exhorters, givers, rulers, mercy givers, counselors, faith, spirit discerners, evangelists, and pastors. These are the gifts, in my strong opinion, uh, that I believe Scripture teaches are left over for us uh, to have. Now, some of them are in uh, yellow, highlighted yellow, and others are in white, and here's why. The ones that are in yellow are commanded for all of us to do, all of us to do. Now, some folks are given this gift, and it becomes a little bit more natural and easy for them, but if all of us are commanded to have faith, all of us are to proclaim the gospel and be evangelists, All of us are to show mercy to others. All of us are to give to the local church and to give to others in need. All of us are commanded a minister, right, to be a servant. And and the the Scripture's been very clear on that. Uh, But some folks just have a natural um, desire, a natural spiritual gift in those areas. Listen, God has gifted some of you uh, with a heart that bleeds when others are hurting. And uh, you hear about someone going through a hard time, and you are excellent at going up to them and showing them compassion and pity and love. You're excellent getting on your knees and praying over them. Other people are more cold-hearted, right? And they just don't get it. And uh, they go up and say, hey, uh, I'm praying for you. And you're like, uh, that was weird. That was awkward. Right? It's not natural, right? Some folks, it's more of a natural thing, and others, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it, it, it's something that we have to work at. The same thing with evangelists. How many of you here have no problem walking up to a stranger and telling them about Jesus? Raise your hand if that is not a struggle for you at all. Hold them up. All right, put, put your hands down. How many of you are terrified of walking up to a stranger and telling them about Jesus? Be honest with me. Be honest with me this morning. You know what? We're all commanded to do it, but for some of us, it's more natural than others because God gives that gift more naturally to some than others, but it is still a command. Here are the list of gifts. Now, 
God only gives to some folks one gift, and to others He gives multiple gifts, but we've all been given gifts. Let's look at number three, and let's see the comparison to the human body, the comparison to the human body. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12 with me, and we'll see Paul uses an analogy of the human body and its functions to help us to understand how a church is to use its gifts to function in unity. All right, letter A, notice, diversity needed. Diversity needed. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, and look at verse 14. The Bible says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, uh, where were the body? But now, there are, but now are they many members, yet but one body. Here's a phrase that I have uh, been both entertained by and enlightened by. All right, here's the phrase. Opposites attract and then opposites attack. Opposites attract and then opposites attack. That, uh, you know, a lot of folks get married to someone opposite of them, and then they end up, and they're just enamored with, look how sassy he is, or look how sassy she is. And then you get married, and that sassiness begins to become aimed at you, and all of a sudden, you don't like that sassiness anymore, right? It was cute when you were dating. It's not so cute anymore. Um, opposites attract and, the, attract, and then opposites attack. Sometimes we are so narrow-minded that we expect everyone to think like us talk like us, act like us. They, they should like the same things we like. They should dislike the same things that we dislike. They should be moved by the same songs that move us. And our favorite sermon or preacher has to be theirs. Right? It's the person sitting on this side of the auditorium that looks over here, during, during great is thy faithfulness, and I mean, you're in tears. Is you're rejoicing over the faithfulness of God, and this person's yawning, and you're like, that person's so carnal. Well, no, maybe it is well with my soul moves them, or as the deer panteth for the water moves them, and, you know, it doesn't move you. Just because someone doesn't operate just like you do doesn't make them less spiritual or more spiritual. Diversity in the body is, it, it is needed. It is needed. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Paul says, diversity in the human body, uh, it, uh, diversity is needed in the human body, and it is needed in the church. He says, if the whole body uh, were an eyeball, then how would someone hear? Or if the whole body, can you imagine just a large eyeball walking around, right? I think they made a character out of him in, in, a, in a movie. Um, if the whole body was, a, was an ear, how would that body smell? The earwax, can you imagine? Anyway, um, while the foot and ear have nothing, nothing in common, when it comes to look and functionality, both are of equal importance. You may serve in the nursery and someone else may serve in the sound booth while yet someone else serves in the choir while yet someone else works on a bus route. Uh, you may have the gift of financial giving like Barnabas while someone else may have the gift of administration or leadership while yet someone else has the gift of teaching. Not one is more important than the other. Let me repeat that. Not one is more important than the other. They are all needed for this church and every church to properly Function, diversity needed. Hey, someone comes at something from a different angle or perspective than you, and uh, uh, rejoice in that. Don't fight them on that. Oftentimes, I think we think that different equals more or less. Different does not equal more or less. Different just equals different. Okay? Dif diversity needed. Letter B, notice, harmony required. Harmony required. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse number 21. The Bible says, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And uh, uh, those members of the body which we think to be less honorable uh, upon those we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body 
together, uh, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. That there should be no schism. Underline that in your Bibles. No schism in the body. No schism in the body. But that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members shall suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. There are some parts of the human body that are more susceptible to getting hurt than others. You know, uh, if I am uh, down in my workshop and I'm working with wood, my liver is not necessarily in, in sort of some sort of impending danger, right? It's pretty deep inside my body. I'm not really worried about my liver getting hurt. I am worried about my fingers getting chopped off, all right? They're the furthest extremities from my heart. They're uh, more in danger. The same thing is true at church. There are people who are putting themselves out more while others are more inward, uh, taking care of things that are more insulated. And some folks are at greater danger of getting hurt doing the work of the Lord than others. Uh, we all need to understand that just because someone is on their knees in a prayer closet praying for you while you're out doing the soul winning, that does not make you more of a Christian than they are. Amen? Uh, we all have a responsibility to evangelize, but sometimes God's given someone a gift uh, of, of mercies and, and they're on their knees praying for you while you're out doing the work. And we don't need to ever look down or judge. Tall people may hit their heads on things regularly. The action parts oftentimes require more maintenance because they are the ones out in the front. However, if the liver quits working, then it's just a matter of time until the hands stop moving. The systems of the body are complex and interconnected. The muscular system needs the circulatory system. The circulatory system needs the respiratory system. The respiratory system needs the excretion system. Every system is interconnected. Every system requires the other to work on their own and in harmony with the rest of the body. For some of you in here, God has given you the ability to make a lot of money. You have lots of it. Praise God. Did I mention we need a new air conditioner? Amen. You know how to manage it. God's given you that gift. Use it for His glory. While, uh, while, others, uh, while everyone should give to God, understand your calling and, and, and do your part to give a little bit more. For others of you, you in here, God has given you the gift of teaching the Bible. Don't hoard that gift to yourself. Teach a Sunday school class or a life group. Work in our children's Wednesday evening program. Learn the Bible and then transfer that knowledge of truth to others in a way that is enjoyable and palatable and understandable. For others of you in here, God has gifted you with the ability to discern spirits. You can sense when someone is discouraged faster than most people. Don't use the gift, that gift from God to take advantage of people. Use that gift to encourage those who are Downtrodden. I know these people because uh, I, I come in every Sunday morning. And I work real hard to be topside, especially on Sunday morning. That's the that is the pinnacle of my week. I work to come in church Sunday morning on topside. You know, sometimes I come in on Sunday morning and I'm doing everything I can to put on a front that I'm topside, and I'm really not topside. How many of you are with me? You know what I'm talking about. You come in here and you're smiling real big. Others of you are terrible. You, you, you come in and you had a fight with your spouse in the car and it's written all over your face when you walk in the door. Everyone knows you. You're just not doing great, right? Uh, but uh, listen, I'm doing my very best to have my body language in order and my smile on my face and how you doing? Welcome to White Oak Baptist Church. And some dear sweet senior sister will walk in and say, I know something's wrong with you. <laughs> and they're right! And I don't know how they do it! God's given them a gift to discern spirits. Amen? You have that gift, then you know you can sense when things are off. Get on your knees and pray for people. Others, God has given the gift of administration. Uh, you, you, do you know what we need? We need folks to help with our life, keep our life groups organized. We have a million and one things going on around here, and we need gifted church members who have this talent to help organize us here at White Oak Baptist Church. What are your spiritual gifts? We use these things to advance our quality of life at home and at work, but are we using them to edify or build up the church? Number four, and lastly notice, the catalyst of spiritual gifts. The catalyst of spiritual gifts. I have said many times that 1 Corinthians is a compilation of six rebukes 
that Paul offered to the church of Corinth. One of them was their abuse of spiritual gifts. They had the motive behind their spiritual gifts all backwards or wrong. It was about self-promotion. Instead of edifying Christ in the church, they were edifying themselves. They were lifting up their own name. They were concerned with sensationalism and what was emotional. And Paul says right here in the right dead center in the middle of this rebuke, we find 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 offers us what should be the driving force, the catalyst behind our spiritual gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Look at verse 1. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongue, tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I understand uh, all mysteries and all, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. Read the last verse with me. Here we go. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Listen, that God's given you spiritual gifts, but if you don't give your heart to loving God and loving the church, then you will never give those gifts for the betterment of the Lord and His church. Someone once said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Jesus said. What does unity mean? This sermon this morning is meant to do two things. It's meant to light a fire under you to be a giver at White Oak Baptist Church. Secondarily, it's meant to Push the church to operate in harmony and unity. What does unity mean? Write this down. Unity is forbearance and forgiveness. Unity is forbearance and forgiveness. You know, not everyone's going to see everything just like I do or you do. Learn to forbear. Learn to forgive when someone upsets you. Learn to forgive when someone does something that doesn't line up with your mentality and your ideology. Learn uh, uh, to be in uh, unity, in harmony with others. I'm going to walk over here to the piano for a minute. When I was a boy, I was made to take piano lessons, and it didn't go so well, so I gave up. But I did learn a few things. You want me to play Beethoven? It's not going to happen. That's the middle C. That's how a lot of churches function right there. They're just they're like a child playing the piano. They're fighting with each other. They're all over the place. You know, not everyone has to be on that middle C with you. Sometimes somebody may come at things from a different angle. They may not say things just like you do or think like you do, but we can all work together and we can sound good as we operate together in the Lord. I don't know what God, what spiritual gifts God has given each of you. But I know this, God wants you to use those gifts Not to build your kingdom, but to build His kingdom. I know this. God wants you to use those gifts to work together in unity and harmony with each other. Are we busy building our kingdom, or are we busy building His? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed. Some of you here this morning are used to be Christians. I used to serve in the bus ministry. I used to help in the nursery. I used to pray for the needs of the church. I used to 
And listen, whether you are in the second quarter of life, the third quarter of life, or the fourth quarter of life, God still has something here for you to do. We get so busy running the hamster wheel of life, we're going to get to heaven one day and realize that we were successful at all the wrong things. Last week we focused on your workplace, and you need to give it your all at work, but you need to make sure you keep the Lord and the church the priority in your heart. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, pray for me that I will uh, either identify my spiritual gifts, or if you've got them identified, that I will begin to use my spiritual gifts more for the glory and honor of the Lord through the church. Here's my hand. Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me that God will help me to use my gifts to be- for the betterment of the, of the Lord and through His church. You put your hands down. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, I, I've got some hardships going on in my life that are really weighing me down spiritually, emotionally, Life's been pretty tough on me lately. Pastor, would you pray for me that God would help me to be able to carry these hardships to His feet in prayer and that He would sustain me through this difficult time? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Going through some hardships, Pastor, just pray for me. I see your hands. Hold them up. I want to make sure I see each hand. I want to take notes so I can pray for you this week. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put them down. How many here today would say, Pastor, there was a day and time in my life I put my faith in Christ alone to be my Savior. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a good person or because I hold to some religion. I'm going to heaven because Jesus, through the cross and His resurrection from the dead, saved my soul by my faith. Here's my hand and testimony that I'm going to heaven because Jesus has forgiven my sins through my faith. I see your hands. How many here today would say, Pastor, I could not raise my hand to that last question because if I was honest with you and God, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I'd like to go to heaven, but I'm just really not sure. But I sure would like to know. My friend, I'm not going to call your name out or embarrass you in any way, but I would like to pray for you. Is there someone here this morning that says, Pastor, I just don't know if I were to die where I would go. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just hold up your hand right where you are? Is there one? I just don't know. I see that hand. I just don't know where I would go if I died. I sure would like to get that settled today. If you raise your hand, you have two options. Option one is that in a moment when everyone stands, the, there's going to be plenty of people that come forward and kneel and pray if it's like a typical service. You're welcome to join them here. Pastor Andrew standing at the front. He would love to take the Bible and show you how you can make peace with God. When you put your head on your pillow tonight, you can know you're going to heaven. If you are uncomfortable coming forward after the service, we'd love to speak with you in the back of the auditorium and help you to get that settled. But I beg of you, I implore you, I plead with you, don't leave today until you've got that matter settled. Don't leave this building today until you know what the Scripture says about how you can know you're going to heaven. Let's stand to our feet, if we could, with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, would you please work in our hearts this morning. Help us to take our commitment, our understanding of spiritual gifts. Help us to use them for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name.